news. Here's the good news. We serve a God who ain't done moving. He moves. He's a moving God. He's not an idol. He's not a religion. He's not an ideology. He's not a philosophy. He's not a demon. He's not an angel. He's almighty God, and he is on the move today. As we speak, God is moving. Now, last week, we talked about some of the things we're doing to kind of stay positioned where I believe the Lord would have us. We announced last week that the 4th of July, as we know it for the last 23 years, is going to be changing. We're modifying it, and we're not doing it because we're tired of it. We're not doing it because of the cost. We're not doing it because it requires too many people. We're not doing it because I'm getting old. We're not doing it. We're doing it because I believe the Lord had us to stand. We stood here and said, don't, don't go over that edge. Like, we're going to stand here as the Freedom Center and in shorts and T-shirts. And we've had some great T-shirts through the years. We had a white T-shirt on a rainy 4th of July. That caused a crowd to gather. Um, and it was funny as it said it was our 10th anniversary, so it said 10 uh, on one side and free on the back. And one of the, the sweet, dear, godly women said, we're the only church that puts women in wet t-shirts. It says 10 on the front and free on their back. Amen. I thought, well, <laughs> drew a crowd and people got saved. You know, we, we have a great tradition. We've had thousands of pony rides and bounce houses and people. We put a quarter of a million dollars in the last 23 years into this thing. It started with a thousand people the first year, but it grew to something that I, I don't know, the sand on the seashore at some points. But we've been kind of noticing that kind of a diminishing return. I've been noticing in my heart some changes. And so last week I announced what we're going to do this year. And I believe we're in step with the Lord in doing this is instead of having one outreach that might have 3,000 people at it, we're going to have a hundred outreaches that have 30 people at it. We're asking you to consider what you would do, not as we lead you, because I think God's trying to decentralize all the thinking into your hearts, into your minds. God wants to use you. We made it so simple for so long. Show up for one hour, stand inside the, the bounce house and make sure if somebody breaks your neck, you fill out paperwork. You interact with them if you feel led. Like, like we're, we've made it so simple for so long, I think God's saying, hey, it's time, to, it's time to get back to work. And so I'm asking you to become congregations, you to become outreaches, your family, your neighborhood, your ideas to be implemented, for you to, to have a vision, for you to pray over this, for you to fund it, for you to gather the people that are going to help you do it. Because I believe that where God guides, he provides. It's time for you to pastor your own church. Three amens. Let me say it again. The day of coming to church and being fed like a baby bird as I vomit down your throat is being challenged by the Holy Spirit of God who is moving you to a different place. And I don't mean a different place like a church down the road where somebody puked down your throat. I mean, it's time for us to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth, but it's also time for us to begin to take responsibility for our neighbor's spiritual growth. We made it too easy for too long, and it's too optional. It's too flimsy. If the church were to be hit with any measure of persecution, the average Christian would be lost the first month because they don't know the Word of God, because they don't know how to pray, because they don't have to hear the voice of God, because they have trained clergy that hears for them. It is a dangerous position for the church of Jesus Christ to be in. It's unscriptural. It's unbiblical. We got here gradually, but we're here in a stark reality of realizing that most of us don't understand basic theology and theological concepts. We believe the Bible's too hard. All these different things. We're going to talk more about how we're going to deal with that. But I'm telling you right here, right now, do not think for a moment, he's not talking to me because this is scary. If you're scared, you're qualified. How many of you guys are a little scared? And I asked you to raise your hand like I would, but I'm scared. Okay, I get it. So 100 events with 30 people, Adam, asking everyone to lead or participate in something with somebody. And it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for me. You may tell from my tone. Um, I'm excited about this because this is that place, even though it's new, this is not new for me. This is, and I don't mean new like, like this may be new for us, but the place of obedience should not be new for us. 
I'm excited because I, I fight God, I fight God, I fight God. I give in, and all of a sudden, the, like, the blessings that I've been resisting are in my life again. I just feel a sense of, like, somebody walked up to me today and said, you look good. You're losing weight. You, you, you're working out. You're eating Wheaties. You're taking your Geritol. What's, what's going on? Like, I don't know. I know this, though. I feel alive. And Jesus, as the author of life, is, is speaking to me and is speaking, I believe, to us today. So it's an exciting time. And what I'm talking about here, I mean obedience. Obedience is the cutting edge we were created to live on as followers of Jesus. There's a silence that comes to a church that's deafening at times. Listen to me. Obedience is always, I just, it, it always is for me anyway, scary at first. It's a little shocking in the middle, but it's, it's always awesome in the end. If you can name any time where you trusted God to do something you couldn't do, go somewhere you should have never been to, 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 uh, to attain to something that was well beyond you. And, and it was like, oh, I don't know, but then you did it, like a missions trip or an outreach or just being obedient and sharing your faith with your neighbor. Whatever that is, once it's done, doesn't it feel good to have obeyed the Lord? You know why? Because we were created to walk in faith. Faith requires obedience. Faith isn't an observational thing. Faith is a, a, a participational thing. So July 4th, um, 1995 was really uh, an act of faith. Like we, our church was suits and ties, dresses, uh, three hymns, a chorus, three more hymns, uh, a very different place than, than what we enjoy today. We enjoyed it then. It was good, but, but it's different now. And I said, we're going to bring in a rap artist, and we lost people. And we're going to have go-karts, and we lost people. And we're going to have people inside this building that don't know Jesus. We're going to have a smoking area. We're going to ask them not to drink their alcohol on the grounds, but I don't care if they're hammered. I want hammered people here. As long as you smoke dope on our neighbor's property, I'm happy about that. Our neighbors weren't, but we were happy about that. We're going to have a car show. We're going to have... You know, we're going to give away stuff. We're going to, and many people are like, I'm just not used to this. It was a real step of faith. We lived in this church for three weeks. My wife and I, our three-year-old and our one-year-old son at the time, lived on army cots in one of the back rooms. I mean, we lived it. This was, like, we didn't, we didn't live at home. We lived here. We were working 18, 20 hours a day. I filled up a 1,000 water balloons by myself sitting backwards on a toilet. Can I get a witness? I mean, there's a special place in heaven for people that will do that. There's two reasons why people don't like to mess around with public toilets. Number one, and number two. <laughs> I took the lid off that thing, straddled it backwards, put the water balloon on the little filler thing, and pushed the bulb down, and it blows up underneath, and I tied it underneath and brought it with a bucket. I mean, I filled up a thousand water. My fingers were raw from water balloons, and we gathered people together, and, and they came, a thousand people came, and in the rain, they had a water balloon fight, and no one was seriously injured. It was awesome, and it required faith. It was scary at first. It was shocking that a thousand people showed up, and afterwards we fell into our army cots that night going, I can't believe that worked. If it hadn't worked, I doubt I'd be here today because it was an all or nothing. We spent money the church didn't have. I, I promoted as if it was a done deal and didn't ask anybody. How many of you guys know sometimes permission and forgiveness? It's hard to know which one to ask for. So I said, I'll ask for forgiveness if it doesn't work, and thank God we didn't have to ask for forgiveness. I remember the first time, the first major time I felt like God said, hey, do this. And I was like, no, no, no. I was in Killeen, Texas. I'd gotten saved at a rock concert, 17, 16 years old. <clears throat> now I'm 18, 19 years old. I've come through a bout of alcoholism in the military, so I'm 19 years old. And God says, I want you to share that faith, just like you did the day after the rock concert with that the science class. You start telling people about Jesus. You know more now. And I'm, he's, the same calling came back to share the gospel with people. It's always been there for me. I've always wanted to. I just didn't know how to. And so we had this, this mirrored glass because the Texas summer just ripped the hide off a goat, you know, and I would sit behind the glass as the high school was right across the street from here to the, you know, the parking lot, 
and they would come to the, the parking lot of the church because there wasn't any security there, and they get stoned and get pregnant and get drunk and then go back to school. A bunch of military kids that moved around a lot and had special issues, you know, for the most part. And I would sit behind that glass and I'd pray for them, God, do something. And it was almost like, you ever, you ever pray something and you heard it echo and God was talking to you like, God, save them. And I, yeah, save them. God, speak to them. Boing, boing. Yeah, you should speak to them. God, I pray a blessing on them. Well, then go bless them, chowderhead. So I, I just said, God, I got to do something. He's like, yeah. Like, I can't sleep. That's because I'm keeping you awake at night. You know, every time I close my eyes to pray over my food, I see their face. Yeah, because that's, that's my broken heart for these kids. Now get out there, Jim, and do something. Time's wasting. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to preach the gospel. I don't know how to share my faith one-on-one. I'd never done it before. It was scary at first. Can I get a witness? This is scary at first. You know, this is years ago, but let me tell you, it's still scary in some ways. And I remember saying, God, help me. God, help me. And God's like, I'll help you. Just go. Okay, I'll go and you help me. He's like, I'll help you when you go. How many of you ever had a disagreement with God and he was right? Amen. All right. So I, I, I finally, like, stepped out the door. Hey, guys, how's it going? They're like, eh, how are you? I don't, you know, and they're afraid of outsiders. New people. I went back in. So well, that didn't work. God, you failed me. Thanks for the try. I was obedient. You didn't move. It's on you. And God said, try it again. So I, I tried and tried and tried. Reject, reject, reject. So I thought, I'll outsmart them. I'll get a movie. How many guys remember the old Mark IV films, A Thief in the Night? Man, that scared the devil out of anybody, right? So I, got, I, I spent 100 bucks on my own money, rented the film. I, I got it on that, you know, the film projector I borrowed from the high school or whatever, maybe the church on one. I got the screen out from the basement, you know what I mean? And, and I got it all set up. I roasted a bunch of hot dogs. They're out in the parking lot. I went out and said, guys, we're showing a movie, free hot dogs. You want to come? They're like, no. God, it's 100 bucks plus hot dogs. Like, I, you know, I'm in the Army. I make $545 a month in the military, the lofty rank of private first class. That was my salary. God, you know, and it was scary. But then, as God would have it, from nowhere, it was cloudy like it was, and all of a sudden, there was a clap, of, and it just poured. It wasn't like starting to rain where they go back to the, to the high school. It was like, build an ark. It was one of those types of rains. So half the kids that were close to high school went that way. I said, guys, come on, get under the, the carport. So they ran. All of a sudden, I got 30 kids under the carport with me. I opened the door. I said, come on in. Let's eat some hot dogs. One girl walks in. The girl said, hey, you're going to church, huh? And she turned around, came back out. No, I'm not going to church. I thought, oh, it's not even cool to walk through the door. So I got them this far. The movie's like from here to that guitar. Like, God, that's where the sanctuary is. You know what I mean? Like, we've got to get them in there. With... I had permission from the deacons to eat hot dogs in the sanctuary. How many of you guys know they had to be kosher, but it was allowed to be in the sanctuary. So I, 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 and listen, I joke around, but I'm absolutely serious. I prayed, God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know how to do. You got to help me. I no more prayed that prayer that from here to the corner of the room, a bolt of lightning, if I'm lying, I'm dying, a bolt of lightning hit, hit the telephone pole in the parking lot. Those kids ran into that church like Jesus himself had welcomed them into the courts of heaven. I hand them their hot dogs real quick. I turned the movie on. They started watching it. By the end of the month, about 35 students had given their life to Jesus. The beginning was scary. I mean, scary. The middle being corny was shocking and in the end guys it's it's always glorious when we do things in faith and and i want you to see that if you're struggling right now with well i don't know that i want to be a part of the fourth it's i just go i'm gonna get my no matter where you are no matter what you're doing i'm challenging you to be a part of this great opportunity to reach the people you know for christ let's take a look at other people because i think if you look at the greats well no one else is ever scared i'm not ready you would not be the first person to have said that um, God chooses Moses to be his man to lead millions of people. Now, he's, he leads sheep, but he doesn't lead millions of slaves. 
that God wants to become free. This is a huge task. So what's Moses going through? Is Moses scared? What do you think? Would you be scared? Absolutely, for the days of secret service too. So what's he afraid of? We're going to talk about that. And what are his questions? So when you see the questions Moses is about to ask God barefoot at a burning bush with the audible voice of God, you'll understand why maybe you're dealing with some of the same issues some great people have dealt with before. So his first question was this, who am I? Like if I was a perfect guy with a perfect testimony with the anointment of God, then I could do this, but I'm not. I'm just normal. And Moses' first question he asked God, he goes, well, God says, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, who thinks he is God, by the way, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, please hang up and try your call again. Like, I, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I'm, who am I to walk into the presence of an emperor, of a king, of a pharaoh, and tell him anything? Like, I, I don't think I want to do this. And, and I, I say this a lot, and I risk over saying it, but here it comes again, because about the time I'm getting tired of saying it, the average person is just beginning to get it. But I want you to hear me. You are not what you've done and what you haven't done. Your resume in the kingdom of God does not start with what you've done. It starts with what Christ has done for you. So for you to say I'm disqualified is to say Christ in me is disqualified. Christ in you is qualified to obey anything the Father says to do. By the power of the Holy Spirit, standing on the authority of the Word of God, we can go. We can do. He says, who am I? And if you're still struggling with, like, personal identity, and I, I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. I mean, Moses wasn't ready for it yet, right? David wasn't ready to kill giants. Peter wasn't ready to walk on water. Faith is not about being ready. The, the moment you can do anything by faith without faith, it's not faith. Now, there's a bumper sticker. If you don't need faith to do it, it's not faith. Like, you need faith to do what you can't do, not what you're comfortable doing. So nobody's going to be comfortable in obedience. Come on. Well, as soon as it's easy, I'll do it. Well, if that was your thought about walking or potty training, you'd be in a very different place right now, wouldn't it? There are certain things we just have to do not knowing how to do them, and this is one of them. If you don't know who you are, we spent the whole summer last summer talking about orphans to heirs, O2H. I encourage you to get the whole series. It's free. It's online. And listen to 12 weeks of dealing with fear, dealing with anger, dealing, dealing with guilt, dealing with all the things that, that served us once as orphans in this world that needed those things to empower us. But now that we have a Father, and now that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and sent out as ambassadors, we no longer need those knee-jerk reactions. They are inferior to what God has called us to be and to do. So I'm not going to take a lot of time, but just know this. But Moses is like, okay, I got it. I know who I am. Let's go. He doesn't. He's got another question. The question is this. What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? And he says it this way. Moses said to God, remember, he's talking to God and God's talking back and he still has reasons. Suppose, what if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now, how many guys have ever wanted to share faith, but you're afraid that if you did, what if they asked a question and I don't know the answer? Again, because we're dealing with fear, I won't ask you to raise your hand because you'd be afraid to do so. But the most common thing, well, why don't you tell your friends, about, well, I don't know, like, who am I to, you know, I got this past, I'm not perfect, and I was speeding on the way to the Bible study, and, and I, you know, and what if, what if I say to them, hey, you know, like, you should come to my church, and they say, what does your church believe? And I go, oh. Or what if I tell my church believes, and they go, I don't believe that, why do you believe that? And I go, oh. Listen, I want you to hear me. There is a way to grow in knowledge. You don't have to be ignorant tomorrow of the things you're ignorant of today. Come on, I might seem sarcastic, I'm not. But we've learned so much. We've learned to speak English, for goodness sake. Some of us, pretty darn good. 
I ain't lying. So this summer, guys, we are dedicating, we, we did leadership two summers ago, we did Orphan Stairs last summer. This summer, we're going to focus on biblical literacy the entire summer. We're going to go over every major theme of Scripture, the covenants. We're going to go over every book in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in a matter of 10 weeks. I'm calling in help. I've got people coming. I've got Dr. J.P. Dorsey from North Point Bible College will be here teaching us in just a couple weeks about can we trust the Bible? Where did it come from? Who translated it? How do we know its legitimacy? What's the archaeological evidence? What's the sociological evidence? What's the psychological evidence that this is really true? How many of you guys are looking forward to Dr. J.P. Dorsey? All right. We've, we've, got, we've got Dr. Carl Jones. The, the good doctor will be in. Um, I'll be teaching a little bit. No, it's too late. Too late. No, no, no. It's too late. Too late. Uh, we got Pastor Adam Cook from Napa, Idaho. He's going to be here with us. And another guy you don't know, but I'm telling you, he's one of the greatest oratists, uh, speakers, preachers I've ever heard in my life. Uh, it's, it's going to be uh, Dr. Jordan Hodges is going to be with us. And the doctor, I'm sorry. Pastor. And you're going to love this guy. Um, he, he's got a felony record, the length of my arm. Gloriously, he's, he's into witchcraft. He's a demoniac. He gets utterly born again, and now he pastors one of the greatest multi-site churches on the West Coast. He's going to be here with us. So we are pulling all the stops. All the smartest, bestest people I know are coming to do this. So the entire summer, what are we focusing on? Just I, The Bible is not this intimidating mountain that can't be climbed. If we climb it step by step, stage by stage, principle by principle, precept by precept, covenant by covenant, character by character, we can know the word of God. We're gonna learn how to study, not just let me teach you and you guys swallow what I'm teaching you. We're gonna learn how to ask the right questions. What questions do we read? When we read any scripture, we're gonna dedicate our summer to it. So that question, what if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer. By the end of the summer, you should know the answers to the major questions people are going to ask. And if you don't know the answer, this is even cooler, you're going to be able to know where to find those answers and come back to them the next day with Scripture saying, this is what the Bible says. We start next week, by the way. So what else? What other excuses? What other things are you afraid of? What if they think I'm nuts? How about this one? Uh, there are certain people among us that just don't care. And there's like the other 98% of us that have this kind of, but what do they think I'm nuts? Like, I'll try to be supernatural, but so naturally supernatural that there's really nothing supernatural about it. And there's other people that just like on their car, God bless the freaks. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, that's a good mindset. I, and Mary's not in here right now. I think she's, right, Mary's not in here right now? She's at the women's ministry thing. They got a leadership meeting for tomorrow night. Um, Mary Cunningham's one of those people that's supernaturally natural. She wears a t-shirt. Wore it last Sunday. Says, you know, need prayer? Press here. There's like a button on her shoulder. She'll stand in line at Walmart and somebody go, boop. You know, yes, how can I help you? You know, faith activated. Danger, Will Robinson. And, and, you know, what can I pray for? And she'll pray right there in the line in Walmart for miracles, signs, and wonders, and God shows up. I'm telling you guys, some people are not afraid to be what Jesus wants them to be. But for the rest of us, this is a very pretty legitimate question, Right? Come on, it is, right? What if, what if they just think, I'm nuts? And this is how Moses says it to God. He goes, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said to them, what is that in your hand? He goes, it's a stick. Okay, let's talk about, let's talk about what God can use to do incredible things. True or false, God can use a bolt of lightning. True or false, God can use a thousand water balloons. True or false, God can speak through a donkey. True or false, God can fill empty oil jars and fill them up to provide for a widow's retirement. True or false, God can use the crucifixion of his son to produce the salvation of the world. True or false, God can use you. You hear what I'm saying? 
when you think about what God uses, it, it's not the qualified that are often used. It's almost like there's a 10-foot tall, like 450-pound warrior who's a Philistine. And who does he choose? Who does God choose of all the people he could choose to go and fight a giant? It, it's, it's not, God doesn't say, well, I'm going to produce another kind of uh, anomaly. I'm going to create another, you know, sideshow-sized person that's going to go after, and they're going to have like the, you know, the, the robot wars of, you know, the 3000 BC. What he ends up doing is he just, he creates a shepherd boy, because in the end, a giant killing a giant, that's a good fight. But a boy killing a giant, that's a God fight. So your disqualifications, now listen to me, your disqualifications are generally your best qualifications for a God that wants the glory for what you will do in his name. So if you can do it, then you get the glory. But if you can't, then it happens anyway. God gets the glory. God's going to use what God's going to use. Just, just do something. This 4th of July and the other things we're talking about today, I'm not asking you to, to, to be perfect or, or proficient. I'm just asking you to give God one thing that he can multiply by his infiniteness to do something extraordinary in somebody's life. Just, just give him your two loaves and your fish. Just give him your empty jars. Just give him a stick. Just give him an hour. Just give him obedience for just a short... And, and it's scary at first. And it's, it's really shocking what God can do in the middle of it. And in the end, it's awesome. Now, Moses still isn't done. So he says this, what if, what if I don't have the necessary gifts to do what you're asking me to do? Now, how many of you guys, this is probably the most, like, they're all scary, but this is like, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this. I can't speak. I don't do what you do. I can't roast hot dogs. I, I can't, I, you know, I can mime, but, you know, right? What do I do? Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken in the last, like, 90 seconds to your servant. I am slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. I like what God's response is to him. He goes, it's just a really good thing, Moses, that the person who gives out gifts is the one calling you to go. It's just a really good thing that the author and the perfecter of your faith wants to perfect your faith through putting you in challenging moments like this one where you'd really rather hear about prosperity, you'd really rather hear about how to have a better and four steps to a, a new and, and 12 steps to get rid of the old. But I'm here to tell you, I think there's a step that God's asking for us to participate in, and that's the step of obedience. Because if I'm obedient or the staff is obedient or the people around you are obedient, there's a blessing on that. But I believe that God is a blessing for everybody. Everybody that has a, the ability to pray. Maybe you say, I, you know, I'm not really a, an outreach person, but I'll get a group of people together. To, if you give me a list of what the outreaches are and where they are, We'll, we'll gather my home for the entire time they're reaching out. We'll do nothing but intercede that God will bless those things. Maybe some people are like, listen, I don't want to talk to people, but I can take dead animals and turn them into barbecue. And there's other people who say, you know, I, I really want to do this. Like, I, I just don't know how to barbecue, and I need somebody to pray for me. I believe that in this room, everything we're going to need to have these 100 outreaches that have these 30 people in them to, to equal what was happening on the field as a foundational day, as, as, as our inaugurating, uh, inaugurating you know, uh, event, I believe we can do something really substantial that will advance the kingdom greater than a field full of people on the 4th of July. I believe God has called us to do it. I believe God's going to enable you to do the things that he calls you to do. <laughs> all right Moses got through this somehow not only did he learn how to talk to Pharaoh but he, he wrote some books you may have read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers that are still being read thousands of years later by billions of people like, like God can get you through the I can'ts if you just understand that he will let me wrap this up piano girl join me if you would um, 
as I read through this, guys, you're totally allowed to, to ask any question of the Lord, right? Like, God's like, what are you doing asking questions? I'm, I'm your father, that's why. Don't back talk me, boy. There's none of that. God's like, you know, this is my concern, man. I just feel the honest with you. I'm barefoot. I'm talking to a bush. I'm doing the best I can. But I, I got questions. God says, what are your questions? This is my question. Okay, here's my answer. Now, get rid of your question. Here's my answer. Okay, but I had this other question. Okay, what's your question? Is this, and God's not mad about any of this. You have the right to ask any question. You have the right to raise any concern with the Lord. You have the, you, you, you have the right to even ask for a sign. God, if it's really you, have Pastor Jim preach on this. It's really you. May hot dogs fall from the sky. You know what I mean? Whatever, like if, but if you're sincere, not like, give me a sign, like drop a million dollars on a winning lottery ticket. Like, don't. But if you're sincere, like, God, I don't know if I should do this or not. I'm asking you just to, to confirm what might be me, what might be you, what might be Pastor Jim's manipulative voice. One really loud laugh over here. I'm a little nervous about that person, right? But if it's really you, then, then I need to know that it's really you. I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. I'll do anything you tell me to do. I just got to know it's you. Like, God's not mad at that kind of stuff. He's not, you know, oh, I got to talk to one more person. I was going to go to Mars and just take a nap. But no, and I got to stay here. It's not going to happen. You're told I'll do this. The only thing you're not allowed to do, the only thing God won't be patient with is to say no. When he says go. Moses proves that. Moses said, to, uh, you know, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And it's then, after all these questions, all these signs, all this stick, all this hand in his robe that comes out leprous, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Now, I want you to hear me. This is not the typical story. I'm sorry, this is not like a typical story between God and men. This is the typical story between God and men. When God says go, we, we always find 10 reasons why we're too busy, we don't have the time, I don't have the gift. Can I just show up and do something easier? I'll help someone else who does it. And I, and I, get, I get all of that, trust me. Listen, I had to go through all this to become a youth pastor, uh, to change positions, to come here, to get out of bed some mornings. I, I, this is not something new to me, but, but I'm telling you from, from repetition, it's always a little scary at first. It's always kind of shocking in the middle of what God can do. It's always glorious in the end when God is in it. This is it. You don't believe me? Ask Gideon. <laughs> Mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, I'm hiding in a, in a wine press, threshing wheat, and an angel appears and says, Hail, mighty man of valor. He's like, no, no, hail to the conquering heroes, maybe. Hail to the victors of Valley hail, hail to Michigan. But not me. Had to throw that in there for just a second. Fight something. <clears throat> it said the Ohio State guy. I'm sorry, a demon's coming out of Ohio State fan. Just that's the noise they make as it comes out. But uh, I, I kid you not, like, this is the common thing. And, and go on. Joshua had this. The disciples had this. Can I be so bold as to say maybe, maybe Jesus had this? He's in the garden praying moments before his arrest and the subsequent crucifixion and the sins of the world being laid upon him. And he's not stressed. He, he's not perspiring. He's sweating so much that it looks like he's bleeding. Drops are falling. And he's in prayer. And what's he saying? He's not saying, yay, the cross, can't wait to... He's saying, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he finishes the prayer. Instead of saying, so I'll just, just find somebody else, he says but not my will, but yours. You want to know the door that gets to the good stuff? It's on the other side of your will being submitted to God's will. I want all the good stuff. I just don't want to be obedient. I'm sorry. Try that with your kids. Clean your room and get your allowance. I didn't clean my room, but I want my allowance. Okay, you're a bad parent. 
Clean your room and get your allowance. This is the world we live in. Cause and effect, right? I want your will to be done. I don't want it to cost me even convenience. I'm sorry, but how can forceful men and women lay hold? How can we kick in gates? How can we rescue captives if we can't provide an hour or two of the conveniences of our life to be used by God? Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but somebody, I'm trying to break both your legs. It's been far too easy for far too long, and you will never grow eating pre-chewed food. You, you, can, you can make it through, coming to church for every once in a while, getting inspired and feeling good and going out, but until you learn His voice, until you walk in obedience and empowered by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something, as your pastor, as your friend, I'm trying to tell you something, you're missing out on the best, and you're in danger of the worst. Listen to him. Do what he tells you to do. But it's scary. It always is. It'll be shocking in the middle and glorious in the end. I want to talk about one last great biblical hero. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 29, verse 1. You realize the book of Acts ends at 28. It's a 29, verse 1. It's, it's you. Someone led you to Jesus. Someone invited me to a concert. Someone invited that family to a church. Someone invited that person who invited them who invited me. Someone went out of their way. Someone took a risk. There's not a single person in this room that isn't here because someone else was obedient. How can we stand in less than obedience and expect God to do it again if we won't do what they did to get us here? Come on. This is going to make you feel guilty. If you feel guilty, I'm doing this wrong. If you feel challenged, I'm doing this right. If you feel convicted, I'll, I'll own that one. But it's been far too easy for far too long, and I believe God's calling us to something higher. I think... There's one last question, and this could very well be a God question for you, and that's this. What are you going to do this 4th of July to reach people? You say, I, I don't want to think about it. It's because you're scared. I thought about it. I decided not to do it. Again, it's scary at first, shocking in the middle, awesome in the end. Just do yourself a favor and don't assume that the right answer is no because you're not qualified, because you don't have the right gifts, because you've never done it before. Because if you had, then you wouldn't really be doing it by faith. You'd be doing it by repetition, practice, proficiency. I think God wants to challenge you deeper than that. Maybe, maybe, maybe the greatest thing you can muster for faith right now is to buy a $5 Starbucks gift certificate, a card, and stand at VG's at the time that God says to you to stand there and you watch somebody until God says give it to that person and pay for the drink. If that's the best you can do and say God bless you, that's all you got, give it to him. If what you've got is a block party where everybody in your neighborhood comes to that thing and just before you pray over those, those burned pieces of dead animal, you bow your head and say we're going we're gonna to observe a moment of silence for, the, for the, the great people in our nation. We're going to give thanks to God for this food. Hey, my wife and I, we're, we're people of faith and we're neighbors. Some of us know each other well. Some of us don't know each other at all. But we're, we, I just want you to know we pray for you guys. We walk past your homes in the evening. We pray for you guys. We're always here for you. We're so glad you're here tonight. And we just want you to know God loves you. Jesus loves you. We love you. And we're always here. Maybe that's the best you got. Maybe it's, maybe it's something more than that. Who knows? But whatever it is, I'm telling you, you, you need to ask and don't be stopped because it's scary. Somebody say amen or I'll keep preaching. Best amen I got all day, right? And guys, we're just getting started. Um, Fourth of July is the first thing. Christmas Eve's the next. We will not be having Christmas Eve service at the Freedom Center this year. Why? Because we're going to take previous weeks and we're going to add together a program of our kids singing 
of me sharing the Christmas story and a gospel invitation. It's going to be about 20, 25 minutes long. And we're going to make a, a, something at Sunday. It'll be done Monday is Christmas Eve. We're inviting you to invite your friends and your family to your home or as you go to grandma's house to watch this. Because again, I think God's moving away from the big corporate settings. Easter is going to be Easter. But Christmas Eve this year, um, 4th of July, another thing. Um, we're, we're launching, I'm announcing today, we're launching two new campuses in September. Most of you didn't know that. We've been talking about it privately, but we're launching two extension campuses, video campuses. We're meeting not on Sunday, but on other days. They're evangelistic outreaches to communities. They're well-led by people right here in our congregation. I'll tell you something else. We're going to start planting video campuses. We have a goal of planting 10 new churches, church campuses in people's homes, restaurants, dormitories, prison cells, um, barracks, bases, uh, 10 a year for the next 10 years. We're going to plant 100 new churches before the next 10 years has come up from today. There's, and, and all of this requires one thing. It requires people who believe they can't to begin to believe that God can. Because right now you're saying, oh, gee, I don't want to do this. But two years from now, you're going to be pastoring a campus in your own family room. Now, if you thought that's not me, congratulations, you're qualified. If you're like, that's terrifying, Good. Because I don't pray over what doesn't scare me. I'm scared, I pray. So how big is God? Stand to your feet. Come on, all of this room. How big is God? How big is God to you? How big is God allowed to be through you? All three questions should have the same answer. If you believe that, say amen. How big is God? To me, how big is God? How big is God through me? All three questions. I believe God wants to bring us to a place where it's all the same answer. Let me ask you this. In the life of Jesus, did he know how big God was? And was the God that he believed that was that big, was, was he that big to Jesus, true or false? And was he that big through Jesus? Okay. If we're ambassadors of Christ, the sent ones to bring his nature and his kingdom to this earth, then God is asking for all three answers to be the same in our lives as well, true or false? Now, I know some of you are totally intimidated by this. I'm going to ask you now, get over it. Start growing. It's time for you to move into the varsity team. It's time for you to study the word and not be intimidated. It's time for you maybe even start a campus in your home. It's time for you to do an outreach the 4th of July. It's time for you to have Christmas Eve at your house where you purposely say, hey, Billy's singing. Let's watch Billy. And you watch Billy. I give a gospel presentation and you turn it off at the end and say, now I'm here as the daughter-in-law. I'm here as the son. I'm here as the grandson. But I'm here to tell you, that's real. And tonight, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm, it's time for you to start giving your own altar calls. Are you getting it? Let me tell you something about where I'm at right now. Only 5% of you need to get this. The other 95% will catch on. Are there 5% of you that got this? Let's just say, if you got it, you're ready to walk in it, say amen. That's all I need. The rest of you, I'm waiting. And we're going to keep going this direction. Well, it's a phase. He'll grow out of it. No, ain't going to happen. Father, I pray that today you would bury this in our hearts. How big are you? How big are you to me? And how big are you allowed to move through me? Huge differences in all three of those questions, God, in my life. I'm not talking about anybody else, me. So, Father, I pray. We've been working on this now. I want the answer to the first question to be the same answer to the second and the third. And God, I pray that over this congregation today. You're moving. You're moving. I don't know what's in front of us. But we're not allowed to stay where we were. So I pray, God, as this, this, 
this refreshing, this new time. It's not just a, a time to change our thoughts. It's a time to be empowered by your Holy Spirit for new things. So I pray, God, today. And in church, join me in this, please. I pray for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow through this place today. I pray for fresh empowerment like they got on the day of Pentecost to fall in the, on the day of Fenton. You know, let, let, there be, let there be a new freedom. Let there be a new liberty. Let there do be a new charisma, a, charisma um, a giftedness, God. May we find it coming out of our mouths before we ever thought about what we we're going to say. I pray what seems impossible today will be undeniable tomorrow. God, I ask that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon each of us as, in, a, in a fresh way. And if there's anybody here right now, God, that doesn't know you, Pray in the last 90 seconds of this service, a miracle, the greatest miracle of all would take place. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're not right with God, you're standing here like, hey, this isn't for me at all. I'm not, I'm not even right with God. Then let's start there. Jesus, I pray by your spirit, convict the sinner of sin, but also convince us of the grace that is waiting for us through faith. If you're not right with God, here's the truth. God didn't execute his son because he's a mean or bad father. God allowed the execution of Jesus Christ because Jesus in love could not, could not imagine an eternity that didn't have you in it. J.D. was just a baby, my youngest son. He was in the front seat in the car seat between my wife and I. Our oldest son was in the back. I looked in the rearview mirror and Joshua said, Dad, catch. He had a, he had a baseball, a hard ball. And he was going to throw it. And all I could see was my baby's face that was about to get racked by this thing. And without thinking, without praying, without contemplation, I moved the back of my head to the face of my child. And I took a fastball to the noggin. God didn't have a lot of, you know, gee, I, I don't know if they're really worth it. A parent doesn't wonder. A parent doesn't need anything to pray about. All they know is that if their child's in danger, they will put themselves in, in harm's way to prevent their child from suffering. For God so loved his children in this world that he gave Jesus. He, he put Jesus between the hardball, the consequences of our sin, and your face. And he died, having paid for everything we've done, doing, or going to do. It's all paid for. The blood of Jesus paid for it all. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, the firstborn of many. We too will rise from the dead the righteous to everlasting life. How do you become righteous? It's not by trying harder. I've tried it my whole life. It doesn't work. This is how you become righteous. You trust that not only is God good, God is good enough for both of you. And you hide yourself in the one who said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's not about your labor. It's about what I've done for you. You're not what you do and what you don't do. You are what I have done for you. Now hide yourself. Trust me. Come into my arms. Let me hold you. I'm dirty. I'm not qualified. I'm not. He knows all of it. <laughs> you think the fig leaf hid Adam from God? You think your, your excuses hide sin from God? No, he knew it. That's why Jesus died. He had to know it. And knowing it fully, chose to do what he did because a father will do anything to prevent the harm of his child. He loves you more than you could possibly fathom, more than you'll ever know question is not how do I get God to love me it's how do I receive his love for me it's simply by faith do you trust him come on will you jump into his arms will you, will you let him if so then do that right now father I pray for those that are here that say I don't know you but I want to let let them just cross that line from doubt to belief from fear to faith from from hopeless to hope 
People walk in this church every Sunday, hopeless dope fiends. God, today, let them walk out dopeless hope fiends, just addicted to Jesus. I pray it in Jesus' name. God, help us to see what the eyes of faith can see of who you are. We receive everything you have for us now. Save us, heal us, fill us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, altar workers are coming forward today. We'd love to pray for you. Um, we're going to start our summer series next week, so there's going to be more announcements, emails, videos. Be watching for them. We want to help you with your outreaches on the 4th of July. We're not leaving you. We're not abandoning you. We want to help you any way that we can. But I'm telling you, get a vision. How many of you guys think you're going to be a part of this? Let me see your hand. Okay, uh, four people, that's enough. All I need is 5% of you. That's good. You're dismissed. God bless you. Any prayer come this way? If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you back in that back corner room, and we'll talk to you again soon.